Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 498 on Tuesday, the 8th of November, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we're wondering about the future of the car industry still. We run through the ups and downs of financial results, and we see telling one particular person you can't do that is wrong. First, we have follow-up. We have quite a bit today. First of all, on the story that had changed last week several times has changed again, and this is British Vault. British Vault have actually secured some short-term funding. They have five weeks' worth of cash, allegedly, from their investor that is Glencore has stumped up that to get them through. They have once again called upon the government to forward early the 30 million that they are hoping to get access to from february next year i think it is is the time scale mm-hmm. once they had hit so. certain caveats and requirements they're asking for that before they do hit it i've seen quite a few things on social media where people have jumped up and down particularly politicians and said oh the british government is not doing anything to help them it's ridiculous and i'm going ah uh, you need to know the truth behind this because this is an absolute car crash the other part of this is it's our money. Yes, that we would never Sorry, get back. Sorry, it is public money that we would never get back. And it's uh, uh, so, you know, it, I, I can't remember if I said the last time, but it takes an awful lot of um, courage. This is not the words I'd normally use. It takes an awful lot of courage to stop a project. But if those are the rules for the project and people can't run the project properly you have to hold it to it. I've seen so many public projects where stuff's just a complete total waste of money. It never goes anywhere. It's important not to have these kind of essentially disasters on your on your hands. Yeah, well, I mean, there'll be the same people who leap up and down going, oh, it's ridiculous that this large project has gone overfunded, over budget, mm. over time. How could they let this happen? How did they let this happen, et cetera, et cetera. In this instance, I'm glad they are not throwing the cash at them whether they continue to not throw the cash at them i don't know in the show notes there will be a link to an article explaining about the glencore involvement there will be another peter campbell twitter thread because he's very good at these (laughs) twitter thread explaining the situation but there is also another article which i urge you to read which is from the guardian and is the third part of uh, a series about the uk's battery ambitions and this one is about encouraging battery factories i think it's a really interesting read and it makes me i i am even more entrenched in my opinion than i think we as a country for having a large-scale mass market car industry the time is running out i think it's not going to happen the thing is that all of these projects take time and take time to do and to, to run up and i think that given the large changes to the way that the uk interacts with the rest of the world just simply not time no. to do this it is it isn't necessarily a reflection on any of these companies there just wasn't the time we've moved too slow too late and we've got the it's the rules of origin is what's going to kill us yeah and the plugs were pulled far too fast if they should have been pulled at all but that's a completely different political thing and not something we should really be discussing on the podcast rules of origin is not political but that's just a fact of business it's as a result well yes right let's move on meanwhile arrival they are still restructuring second time in six months and it has now received a warning from the Nasdaq stock market that it could be relisted. Yes, all sorts of other fun stuff. 
demo vehicle to UPS caught fire in front of them. In front of UPS. Half the Lord demos, but also. Uh, yeah, quite. There was supposedly a side project to make an electric jet, as well as the car and the bus and the everything else which had been shelved. And supposedly, again, according to FT article by Peter Campbell, morale has dropped so low that people have started sort of taking things home with them. Forgetting to bring them back. Yes. <laughs> not good at arrival. No. Not good at arrival in the UK. They might not get there. No. Mm-hmm. Not, come on. This was hinted at to us by, admittedly, a competitor in person a little while ago about the fact that there was all sorts of trouble at arrival. Yeah. But we've been hoping we were wrong. Yes, very much so. But it doesn't look like it is. There's, a, again, another Peter Campbell Twitter thread because there's some bizarre stuff that's allegedly gone on in that company that you do need to have a read. And <laughs> it, it, I mean, you know, I'm now do, do, even more worried about that company than I was before. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been re-watching Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There is a very much a vibe. Because because <laughs> world events and stuff, you get to the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, wow, these characters have so much empathy compared to some of the real life you see at the minute. <laughs> right. I'm going to take us to the last uh, bit of follow-up. Yes. And this is the news that the father and son team who got Carlos Ghosn out of Japan have now been moved to America for the father to finish his what's left of his prison term as the son has completed his. This was agreed between the two countries, but it was not to be released. It was to be put in the prison system in their own country. The father was the one who admitted he'd done it and stuff, but the son never admitted he was involved, so he got a lesser sentence. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are with Gongate. Still waiting to hear what's going to happen with all the many lawsuits that are going on around the world from Carlos Ghosn. Now, I saw someone saying about there's a net, there's a documentary on Netflix. Mm. I haven't seen it because it doesn't get shown me that kind of stuff because I tend to watch lightweight stuff like Silicon Valley as opposed to all these heavy documentaries. Yeah, I've not watched it yet. So I might have go have a dig to find it. I'm sure there's one on BBC as well. That I still haven't watched. Could well be the same one. Yeah. Could well be the same one. Beginning of the month, though, Alan? It is the beginning of the month. Good news, everyone! October, new car registrations are up 26.4% on last year. Woo! Woo! There does generally seem to be more supply of new vehicles. I'm just generally seeing that. Supposedly, it's almost possible to buy a new vehicle here in the US for list price or less anyway 26.4 percent uh month they're saying that's the third month of growth but some of them have been very small amounts of growth so i think that's a bit generous yeah but if you're comparing them against last year as well it's a bit (laughs) pr-tastic and last year was just awful it is uh generally though the entire uk car market according to the smmt are on course for the weakest year since 1982 but recovery is expected in 2023 which seems to be the statement from just keep listening out for that statement from just about everyone Mm. from now on until 2023 i don't know how that's going to happen though supply chain yeah i know but we're still going to have the chip shortage what's made even worse as was pointed out to me this week just a slight tangent here is that 
a huge proportion of the global supply of chip quality neon gas is Ukraine. <laughs> so it's not just wiring that that place is important for. There is still a lot of Ukraine that isn't in a war situation. There's still industry happening in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it would be much easier if industry could happen in Ukraine. Everywhere in Ukraine. Yes. Unmolested. <laughs> yes, quite. If that could happen without other people sharing their opinions on it as well. But yes, that's true. That is a, a major risk to supply chains. Shall I get back to what I was doing? Yes. Let's go through what, what fuels did what. 70% of the market, you put petrol in. 14.6% of the market is battery electric vehicle. 10% is diesel. I remember when it was over 50% when we were lads. <laughs> and plug-in hybrid is at 6.17%. Obviously, those numbers collated by Tristan Young. As always, a uh, freelance journalist, editorial director at Auto Retail Network, and a contributing editor at fleeceandleasing.com. Thanks, Tristan. We plug him every month because we use his figures every month. The best registers this month. Gosh, it's like old times, isn't it? Uh, number 10, the Fiat 500, 2,169 units. And number nine, the Audi A3. Number eight, the Peugeot 2008. Number seven, it's Platform Buddy, the Vauxhall Mocha at 2,444. Number six is the Mini. Number five is the Vauxhall Corsa, 2,784 vehicles. Number four is the Ford Puma. Number three is the Volkswagen Golf at 3,339. I like that because it has all the threes in it. Uh, number two, the Nissan Qashqai, 4,228. And number one, do small drum roll, please. Uh, number one, the Ford Fiesta, 4,230 units. Woo! Meanwhile, over in year to date, by the way, the Qashqai has overtaken the Corsa. Mm. Uh, by 1,400 units, just over 1,400 units. So, yes, it now goes Qashqai, Corsa, Puma, Sportage, Mini, Tucson, Cougar, Golf, Nero, and the model Y, oh, Y, oh, Y. <laughs> Shall we do the uh, spreadsheet of Doom? If we must. Okay. Uh, not much Doom, or less Doom, fewer Doom. This yes. this month, and I'll run through it quickly because it will only be quick. Uh, Alfa Romeo down at twenty eight percent, Alpine down nearly thirty two percent, Jaguar down thirty eight percent, Jeep down sixty three and a half percent, Kia down nineteen percent, Maserati down a whopping forty eight percent. Right, last last year eighty one cars, this year forty two. So <laughs> it's not it's not. And they're in the middle of changing all their model range as well. Exactly. Haven't launched the right hand drive versions. Yeah. Yeah. Porsche down 27%. Seat down 38%. Smart down 61.5%. Suzuki down 21%. Tesla down 31%. No boats, obviously. Them, their ships ain't coming. Mm-hmm. By the way, just to point it out, just so you're aware, 11 Tesla registered. This gives you an idea of how yeah. ridiculous the peaks and troughs are for this. Yes, okay. absolutely. Uh, and Volvo is down at 36% as they continue to be hit by supply chain issues. Alan, cheer us up. Well, a bath had a miserable month last month, and this month they're up 174.6%. Audi up 49, Bentley 53, BMW 18, Citroen 21, Cupra up 104%, almost 105 actually, Dacia 34%, DS. 
439%. Is that the new models come through now? Uh, I don't know. It's still a move from 100 to 539. I think it's just some of them are available, Andrew. Yeah, Remember, probably. we're talking about this this month last year, yep. as opposed to any massive sales numbers. Mm. Fiat up 89, Ford up 94, Genesis up 1, <laughs> 1,100% <laughs> from 6 to 72. Well done, Genesis. You, you win this week's MG Award. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Honda up 38%. Uh, that's good to see. Land Rover up 103 the power of the Defender. Mazda up 65%. MG up uh, 103 Nissan 39%. I'm trying to round numbers in my head and I'm feeling. Polestar up 62%. Renault 30 Skoda 80 Subaru 29 We're almost there, folks. Toyota 62, Vauxhall 26, and Volkswagen 41%. Well done, everyone. I should have really policed this before I read it out. That MG1 is still very yeah. impressive because last year it was 2,300, which was a fantastic number for last year Yeah, when you compare yeah, it with a lot of others, actually. They beat the likes of Citroen and things like that. But this year, that 103% means it's 4,749 vehicles registered. This seems to be sustained growth now. And they yes, are sorry. increasingly taking a market share because their vehicle is electric and more economical than a lot of the competition. They've got 3.2% a market share right at the minute mm. for 2022, as opposed to last year they had a 1.78%. Yeah, it's up 70%. That's pretty impressive. And it seems their range keeps getting stronger and stronger. Obviously, it's, it's a bit trickier for us to try some of the cars at the minute. Mm. Yeah, so many good reviews of the MG4. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've gone off and we've almost talked about it. We didn't talk about new car news, but I think everyone else was talking about it. So we had... But Andrew? Aston Martin have announced their financial results for the first quarter, and they're not as good as they hoped. They have downgraded their output and profits as a result of what they are putting it down to global supply chain problems and logistics. So they can't get the stuff in and then they can't get the cars delivered when they have got them built. Now, the expectation was that they were going to deliver 6,600 vehicles or more than 6,600 vehicles in 2022. It's now between 6,200 and 6,600. CEO Amadeo Felisa has stated, though, while the supply issue has created short-term impacts on our performance, I am confident that with the actions we are taking, we will exit the year in a stronger position to deliver on our goals for 2023 and beyond. That's the second. 2023 will be Mm. better. At this rate, we're going to make it a drinking game. (laughs) It's understandable that they are hit by supply chain. Everyone is, especially as they take a lot of stuff from other suppliers like the likes of Mercedes AMG and they are affected by it. Not unsurprising. Is anyone surprised that Aston Martin struggled anymore? No, no, not really. Uh, come on, it is the story of Aston Martin. Yeah. Aston Martin is struggling. Oh yeah, really? As it has done and yet still managed to cling on for over a century. Yeah, absolutely. That Aston Martin is not struggling is a far bigger story than Aston Martin is struggling. It's just, it's just it's just happened over and over again. It's not Aston Martin if there's not some kind of crisis. Yeah. Do you want to take us to a place that really isn't in crisis, though? It's still in Britain. Where? Crew? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, in a polar opposite to the last story, Bentley. Bentley has more than doubled its profits during the first three quarters of the uh, 2022 financial year. 
despite, uh, and here I'm quoting, continuing challenges and uncertainty in the global economy. They've posted operating profits of 575 million euros for the first nine months. That's up from 275 million it achieved in the same period last year. I mean, UK registrations up 53%, as I said uh, a few minutes ago. Revenue, I mean, that's profits. Uh, revenue is 2.49 billion euros, up 28% uh, from last year's. Yeah, 23.1% return on sales. And, it, and this year. Despite to- there being a drop in China. Middle East and Africa and India. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst year-to-date sales in the UK are up 30%, or registrations are up 30%, uh, overall globally they're up 3%. And they're saying that is, and quoting again, largely due to the popularity of new model derivatives and the personalization options available through Bentley Milliner. So in other words, you're buying a special editions, and you're paying lots and lots in extras, so that's awesome. The Rolls-Royce model. Nothing is standard. Why not? It's successful for Rolls-Royce. But in theory, you don't need to add anything either. You're only adding it because you fancy it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's that market. That's the that There's money in that there market, as we can see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Rolls are doing just fine. And did, did, you, did you see the new? There was a picture of an extended wheelbase Phantom, and it looked absolutely gorgeous. The other no, day. I haven't seen that. It looked really good. Sorry. Anyway, meanwhile, <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, to the Middle East, and this is the surprise news that the Saudi Arabian Kingdom is going to be working with Foxconn to make the first ever, well, car. In Saudi Arabia, but uh, their actual brand called Sia. I, I presume it's a small, a soft C. I would imagine it's a soft C. Yeah, Sia, and that is all part of Saudi Arabia's moves away from being oil dependent. And um, they've got a, they've got a ton of hugely ambitious projects uh, in the pipeline for before for up to twenty. Their vision for up to twenty sixty. It's amazing the stuff that they're talking about they're going to do because there's a 170-kilometre city, which is one building 200 metres wide, running for 170 kilometres, which is going to be apparently the the way that we should be living in the future with lots of uh, automated services by robots. Including security, can't see any problems there. It's not like there's been any documentaries (laughs) called RoboCop to show us where that goes wrong. (laughs) Yeah, there's uh, yes, some of them are quite outlandish. They get yes, well, I think a lot of it's about making sure that there's uh, there's people can see that it's not that Saudi Arabia is not just about oil these days. Yeah, it is really diversification, and it's like, well, actually, you know, all the sand. Well, the sunshine, that's really good for solar, mm. things like that. So a far cry from when I was there. They've got the cash, mm-hmm. and they will attract the brightest minds because they've got the cash. So this will be the the biggest opportunity, I would suggest, mm-hmm. a, a completely fresh brand has got, whether it's the car or whether it's other elements of you know much more net zero lifestyles. And they're partnering with Foxconn. Uh, yes. Chinese subcontracting company, electronic subcontracting company, uh, which you, most people have probably heard of already. And it's not Foxconn's first time. Foxconn have just built a, a similar 
um, plant uh, in association with Lordstown Motors. Yeah. Again, another startup uh, uh, EV company uh, in Ohio. So I imagine that this will be similar but slightly different. Well, I think that was it last year or the year before we talked about how they turned up somewhere and went, we're going to make a car, you know. And they showed off some models and things. So they they are very much going for this market. Absolutely. They've been muttered about for ages, including alongside the Apple car mutterings when they've been around. They seem to be quiet at the moment on Apple cars. And there's, yeah, Foxconn have been, they're looking to get bigger than just phones, really. Yeah. And also working in an environment that doesn't shut down every couple of weeks. <laughs> well, that'll help as well. Yeah. Talking of every little helps, do you want to take us to Tesco? Oh, very good. Yes, Podpoint and Tesco have been paired up since 2018 to provide free charging facilities at many Tesco stores. Uh, there's now over 200 Tesco locations that have Podpoint chargers. Up until now, they've been free. And according to Podpoint, uh, they have delivered more than 86 million miles of free electricity, saving supposedly 12,000 tons of CO2. So enough reading from the from the press release. <laughs> However, electricity prices have gone silly recently, and it's not really sustainable to keep providing it for free. They are going to start charging. Most of the chargers at most of the Tesco's are, are, the, old, are the 7 kilowatt chargers that previously free uh, it will now be 28 pence per kilowatt hour they're pointing out that depending on your tariff depending on where you live that's still cheaper than charging at home mm. a couple of places have more powerful chargers the 22 kilowatt 50 kilowatt chargers and those will rise to 40 pence per kilowatt hour and 50 pence per kilowatt hour. People have always had to pay for those as well, though. Yes, so those have always been paid. That's what I was about to say next. So, And those are still quite reasonable prices. Yeah, because I've seen quite a few disgruntled comments on social media about payment. And still going, but why did you think this was always going to be free, one? And two, you know electricity prices have gone through the roof, right? You have paid attention to either your bill or the news. So, of course, it was always going to. And those do not seem like urine extraction prices either, really, given the current state of the world. Yeah, it was similar reaction when it's been muted that EVs are going to get car tax. How did people ever think that that wasn't going to happen? Uh, I, it's, it's beyond me. Beyond me that people think that something that's been subsidised for ages was was not going to be paid for at some point before we we started recording we were having a good old grumble about the naivety of of, of people in general so uh mm. so yeah this is this is very much a continuation of that folks well talking of continuations let me take us on to more bad news and that is the price of diesel that has rocketed in the last month as well it has risen over 10 percent in october according to the rac so that the average has gone from 180 0.37 pence per litre to 190.51. I wish 190 where I lived. Uh, never mind. Petrol has not really gone up that much. <laughs> By the way, you sorry. Just quickly, Andrew misspoke there. He meant 10 pence per litre, not 10%. Oh, did I say percent? Yes. 10 yeah. pence. Sorry, it's just that there was quite a difference in the number. Yes, so that's... I was, uh, yes. I was doing the mental arithmetic before I chimed in. No, that, that, was, that would be wrong. That would... Hmm. <laughs> This is being tied in with the fact that OPEC, which agreed not so long ago to cut production 
in solidarity of Russia, and yes, that's what it was, to cut production by 2 million barrels a day, so which equals 2% of the world's supply. So obviously, supply, demand, cost, etc. It's lovely. Mm. The faster we move away from it, the better it is for everyone. Yes. Funny enough, same people doing that and same people talking about building electric cars in the last story. So, uh, yes, that's a kind of, that's an interesting one. Yes. Yep. Speaking about moving away from it, London is extending its e-scooter trials until 2024. Obviously, London was very late to the whole e-scooter trial thing, partly, I imagine, because of the number of different councils there are within London. Um, and the difficulty of saying, look, can we just all try to work with the same organizations, please? Otherwise, you'll only be able to ride your scooter up to a certain point, have to get off it, walk, and then pick up another scooter on the other side of that particular council. Which, given the way everything else in London works or doesn't work, wouldn't actually be a surprise. No. All these little fiefdoms. Especially if you try using parking apps or anything like that, or, or charging, EV charging in central London is fantastically fragmented. Mercifully, the three trials, uh, there are only three tri- three companies, Dot, Lime, and Tier, that currently have uh, tenders to run across 10 of the 10 participating boroughs. Thankfully, all of them consolidated. Yes. The new um, tender process has been opened by TfL. Mm-hmm. This is happening across the country as well. Apart from Canterbury, yes. <laughs> yes, because, because of one accident. <laughs> Near accident. No, I thought the person, did the person not actually get hit? But they weren't just seriously hurt. No, anyway. This is because the government has extended the time for the trials so they can put off legalising them and getting legislation together because it turns out it's a little bit more complicated than going yes these can be legal or not there is many caveats and things that need to be considered depending on areas they did know that a while ago though they yeah i mean right at the start even from the original consultation even from the original consultation even the wording in the original consultation showed that there was an understanding of complexity yeah understanding it's complex and being in a position to do anything about it, though. Oh, those are two uh, very different continuing things. Our but at least the first, <laughs> first thing you need to do is understand that there's complexity, right? Go, oh, this is really easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but they're talking about uh, things like uh, using newer e-scooters, including machines that make uh, warning noises to warn pedestrians. It actually says here in this autocar article, to alter pedestrians, but I imagine it's meant to be to alert pedestrians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although the alternative is, is kind of quite... A, mental image. In the meantime, Salford, by the way, is extending its Lime e-scooter trial to 2024 as well. Yep. It's sticking with London, and particularly Wandsworth. And the fantastic news, and uh, thank you to Mark Bridges for bringing this to my attention, but at the end of October, Wandsworth Council had been given the powers to fine speeders in a trial within their council for speeders on roads in their area. Now, I think there's only two roads, residential roads they're going to be doing this on, which is Wimbledon Park Road and Priory Lane. This allows the uh, the council to issue a fine for 130 points, but not add points to the driver's license. Can't see any problems here or any chance of misuse of this. 
or any chance that everybody thinks that this is just an income grab. However, as we always say, if you don't speed, you don't give anyone any money. It is very difficult to stick to 20 miles an hour. But the real reason they are trying to bring this in, you know, taking the sceptical hat off, is that it is suggested that the police generally, when they're doing speed awareness in heavily urban areas, concentrate on the more major roads where there's more traffic and things like that, where there's more pedestrians. They don't have the facility or the ability to look at quieter roads, the sort of the rat runny roads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is where the this these powers are being trialed to see if they're successful because people still speed down the little roads and everything. So if they can reduce that. And that's probably more dangerous to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I mean, it's easy to say, well, 20 miles an hour, but it, it's quite possible that it's that 20 miles an hour is really very fast down some of these roads. Yeah. Especially if there's, uh, you know, parked traffic and there is only yeah. just space for one vehicle and all those other things. Mm-hmm. We shall see whether it makes a difference and or it's abused. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that takes us to the end of the first part of the show. Mm-hmm. So that means, of course, that it's Guilt Minute, a quick break and show where we ask for a tennis fan support to keep the lights on, the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as a released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thanks very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everyone who does. Uh, not a lot of motorsport news. Well, practically no motorsport news right at the minute. Rally Japan next weekend. Yes. So that's good. That should be good. Yes. It looks stunning. I've seen photographs of the um, Reckies. It looks absolutely stunning. Sure it does. Yeah. Not jealous at all. (laughs) Well, I'm like that just about anything to do with Japan, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Apart from the legal system, of course. (laughs) Uh, The but important announcement. Uh, Friend of the show, Natalie McGloin has been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the first ever quadriplegic woman to erase cars. Really impressive person. She's a public speaker. She's uh, a near Paralympic level rugby player. She's president of the FIA's Disability and Accessibility Commission. Um, she's the only woman with the disability to hold a race and rally license in the UK. Also runs Spinal Track, the yes. charity which there will be a link in the show notes for if you wish to learn more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's she's just a really nice person as well. So congratulations on that. Really, really, really cool. I was so pleased when I saw that news. Yes. Absolutely. It's what happens when somebody tells her you can't do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She said that. Yeah. I've heard her say that herself. It is old car news. Old car dead news. <laughs> we're, we're, at a, we're at a point sort of between motor shows and stuff so there aren't really very many new car announcements no so people are quietly eliminating stuff so we're covering the eliminations instead so but uh, yeah bad news for people with subscriptions to tennis clubs yes the audi a5 cabriolet will be no more in what is being 
branded a consolidation by Audi. They are getting rid of this because it's an older... This is just in the UK at the minute, yes. Just in the UK. It's an older model and it's reached the end of its life anyway, but they're not going to replace it in the UK. I can't remember ever seeing a convertible A5 around here, I have to say. Oh, I've seen I've seen plenty. I, I must have. Plenty. I must not, have not seen it, but, but I, I don't remember seeing one. Well, it's just an Audi, isn't it? It just kind of blends mm. in. It was, it was, actually, the thing is that the hood, if you had it in black, which most people do, um, uh, with a dark coloured hood, the, the hood actually was really very, it blends in quite nicely, quite neatly with the rest of the body. So you just go Audi A5 and just not really consider it. And it's one of those cars which you see loads of convertibles, but nobody ever puts the roof down. Yeah. So even on a beautiful, glorious day, you'll still see Audi A5s with the roof up. It's one of those cars. Mm. Yeah. Not surprised then through. Oh, they were saying that just 224 were sold, stroke registered, in the first half of this year. 680 were sold in 2021. That many. Cool. It just depends how many are actually available for sale as well. I mean, that's the whole trouble with this. Yeah. It could be a case that we can't deliver on that. Alan, do you want to take us to the lunchtime read? Yeah. This week's lunchtime read is, is rallying. And it's it's all about the people involved with Lancia's Group B uh, challenges in the very early 80s. Uh, and there's remembering his point here on Motorsport website as rallying's darkest hour. Well, the thing is, isn't it, that Group B is generally held up with these rose-tinted glasses. Oh, it was amazing and all the rest of it. This gives a, a, the story from inside one of the teams there and how sketchy, scary and unpleasant it was to be a participant in it, let alone the people watching. Yeah, the, the cars, if you see some of these, so I mean, there's some beautiful pictures of the Lancia uh, 037, which mm. is a gorgeous looking car. And then you see it with sort of the, the sort of front clip up and the rear clip up, and you think, that's made of wire. Mm. If you crash that, you are dying. Yep. The complete opposite to, to you know, some of the, the current generation of WRC cars, where some bad things happen because you clipped a rock or something and the cars do some quite spectacular tumbling and then people just kind of get out yeah which that just similar uh, with these just wouldn't wouldn't be the same that and spectators right up at the edge of the road and all sorts of things like that just i don't want to sound like some kind of oh it's all about you've got to have more health and safety but really there was there's a line and yes. and this was well the far side of the line. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting sort of reminisce, but from a slightly different angle as opposed to, as you say, the rose-tinted specs. So well worth a click through on, on Lunchtime Read um, and have a look at the Motorsport website because there's loads of good stuff there. Yep. List of the week from Motoring Research, the team of Motoring Research, actually, this time, and 43 most controversial cars ever. This is a good list. Can I explain why I think this is a good list? Because Go I on. submitted it for the list. Is that they're not all good cars. They're not all bad cars. And sometimes you've forgotten just how controversial they are when they were launched. Mm -hmm. This is not awful cars. There's a lot no. of good cars here. But when they came out, people had opinions. People like us probably had opinions. We don't have opinions. <laughs> and and either their opinions or, I know, this is all we've got podcasts, isn't it? Their opinions or just things happened or, or and, and stuff. So it's, it's actually quite a good list. It's very diverse. Okay. Have you got one 
that stands out to you for whatever reason. So if you could tell us the reason why you've picked it and which car. Uh, what's your name? Where do you come from? And there's, so I am going to say the Ford Sierra. Okay. Because it was such a radical departure back in the early 1980s. I just about remember when it was launched. There was such controversy because it was the jelly mold shape and it wasn't square like the Cortina before it. And, and it was a hatch and it had aerodynamics. It was all sorts of things. But then it just became part of the British street furniture and, and just so normal mm. across its life. It became the antithesis of being, uh, being controversial in any way, shape or form. And it's kind of funny how that transformation, there's a few examples in here. But that's that's one of the key ones, I think. I remember the Sierra for puking up in the back constantly. And the only car my dad was delighted someone ran into the back of so he could buy a different car. He hated it. He absolutely hated it. Parents, friends had an early one, and I thought it was really cool. I think they looked great. It, was, it, it, it looked like the future. It really mm. did look like the future, particularly coming from the square boxy stuff that we'd had yeah. previously. That was a mainstream car that everyone was going to buy, which everyone did then go and buy. Hmm. It was fantastic. But the, uh, the one for me, and I'm going, sticking with Ford, but this, I'm going very much in the bad car end of the scale, and mm -hmm. it's the Ford EcoSport. And I would also throw in the Mocha here because I think both of those demonstrated no. a cynicism the EcoSport was worse than the Mock. But I, I think both of them demonstrated in cynicism by Ford and Vauxhall that we will make this tiny little SUV and, it, and people will just buy it. It doesn't matter. And no, they that, were both that, truly awful vehicles. I'm going to say that the EcoSport was, was, was worse because it was one of those ones that was not meant for Europe originally. It was meant for developing countries. Mm. Do you know what? I drove one, possibly the one that's in the picture here, at SMMT a couple of years ago, just because it was there. And it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. That's a massive caveat there. I never drove um, – uh, every time I've driven a Mocha, I've expected it to fall over. At yeah, I've driven moment. a Mocha and disliked it. It's surprisingly popular over here is the Buick – I don't know. Whatever it Buick, is. Buick Blob or something. But it's a similar type of driver as well, by the way, over here. This is a fantastic list. You do need to it's, run through it. You've got 43 options as well, so have at it. And don't forget to tell us, do you agree with us on what we pick? And if not, tell us what you've picked. There are some absolute crackers in there. and there. Are, I had too many choices. That was my problem. There. Yeah. Too many choices. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the end, finally. According to the register... Porsche wants to sell you a rusty tailpipe soundbar for $12,000. I'm not really sure it is actually rusty. It is a speaker set. It's one and a half meters long. It weighs 65 kilos. And it's the Porsche 911 soundbar 2.0 Pro. And it's it's a Bluetooth speaker. That's it, really. That's all I have to say. With the exhaust element yeah. of a 992 GT3. Yes. Slapped on top of it. For some reason. <laughs> sure. But this it's, one is unadorned, so you get to see it. Well, it looks like it's used because the, the welds are apparently a little bit rusty looking. I think that's where the rusty comes from. 
and it looks like it's got some patina on it from the roads and stuff that yeah. they've cleaned off a bit. That's true. Pardon me. I couldn't understand quite what the big deal was here, but there is also a smaller one which will sit, which has its own little plinth as opposed to being wall mounted. And it only costs £3,470. If that's your bag. So I think, I think I'm feeling uh, a fool and their money are easily parted or something here because. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are limited in very low, very low numbers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Because people aren't going to buy them. <laughs> well, good luck. I can't work yes. out if this is better or worse than the Bentley decanter set. That's not for in the car, by the way. If it was in the car, that would be different. But no, I this don't is, know. I, think this I is don't know. But I, I feel we may have to do a bucket. car manufacturer's Christmas gift ideas show. I think so. We're coming up on that time of the year. So yes. it's time for those. I, I, bet, I always pick on Bentley. Bentley Bentley scented candles and your Lamborghini, I don't know, bong or whatever it is. <laughs> that was a joke. That was made up. Please don't sue me. But if Lamborghini, you make it, we would like our percentage. <laughs> Legal here. I think that rounds us out for the week. Um, yeah. Parish notes. I think there's only a there's only a couple of. A couple of podcast players that still aren't playing ball. There is nothing I could do about it. That he's completely down to the podcast player, not following the redirect, not getting on board with we everything were told else. In our in the advice from our new host, that you need to leave it going for thirty days because some of them take ages to reread yeah. it. So, some of them if you that. are on one of those hosts, then we're sorry, but. It, or one of those players, it, we're sorry, it's the player itself, it's not us. We've done everything we can. And it is end. working on, many people are able to listen to the show. Yes. In many locations. In many locations. We now know. <laughs> we now know. Yes. We've got little colour-coded maps and everything. Yes. Yes. So thank you, anyway, uh, for your patience with all of that. Everyone affected. Yes. The rest of you. Don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter for the time being, and Instagram on Facebook and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? For now, Twitter, if you search for Crack Windscreen, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, similarly, for now, Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley, that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. You can find both of us on Mastodon as well now. Similar username, well, same instructions for finding our usernames. If you look in my header... Uh, or my profile on Twitter, I've got my Mastodon address in there because you need to put the full address in to find someone. I haven't done that just yet. Well, you can actually just start by searching it and it will come up, but you've got to make sure half the world isn't on it at the same time. Yeah, yeah it does seem to have improved. Anyway, anyway, we should really have covered that in the parish notes, shouldn't we? Uh, but we'll be back soon. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.